Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, you all. I am so excited for this episode. I'm so excited for you to meet our guests. We are going to talk about how you can walk your way to just the best version of yourself. And today, the person I'm going to talk with about this is Joyce Shulman. And Joyce is one of those amazing people who came into my life actually pitching me to be on this podcast or someone on her team pitched me to be on this podcast. And, you know, the inbox is busy. I ignored it for a second and something I just recalled that she was in my inbox and I went looking for her a couple weeks back and She's one of those people who I just feel like I've known forever. We've now done this interview and we've spoken on the phone a couple of times about different business things. And I just feel like she's been a longtime friend. So I'm really excited for you all to meet her. Joyce is an idea junkie, an entrepreneur, a mom, a speaker, an author. She's a busy woman. And she started off as a lawyer and then moved into entrepreneurship after feeling burnt out when her and her husband needed a change. And she ended up, among other things, creating a community um, empowering women um, as the CEO of Macaroni Kid, which was a multi-million dollar hyper-local media company. And now she's encouraging women to take ownership of their minds and their moods and their bodies through the simple act of lacing up their sneakers and walking together. And when I first heard about this, I got really excited because I love walking. I think it's an amazing thing. And I, she was telling me all about her book, which is called Walk Your Way to Better. And I got to thinking, how cool, like, let's learn about this. We talk about running. We talk about exercise here. We've talked about all these things, fully thinking that I was going to speak to somebody about fitness. But it ends up that Joyce's walking is really like what I would consider journaling. It is her path to teaching women how to create the space they need for themselves to dream bigger, to figure out what they want, to take their next best step, to get all these amazing idea downloads and do all these um, just personal growth activities while they walk. And It was so amazing to read her book. I was just constantly floored the entire time I was reading it. I saw a lot of what we do around the Flow365 community um, on her pages, and it was really cool to see how walking can be another pathway um, that has a similar outcome to what I would say writing has done for me. So I'm so excited for you to meet Joyce and hear everything she has to say today. And before we dive in, I just wanted to quickly tell you that... Um, We launched Flow365. It's been so amazing welcoming the new community. If you missed out, don't worry. We'll be launching again for 2021. But right now, what I'm really excited about and really thinking about is that in this launch of Flow365, we almost got to the end of the flow planners that we have in stock. And it's been time for a while to get the next level of flow planners. It was something that was supposed to be launched right in April and then COVID hit and I just couldn't figure out the printing. We, we printed in China the first round and there was shipping. There was just so many details that felt like the current pandemic and political situation really were getting in the way of. So I let it be for a minute. We did what we did all you know, spring and summer and fall um, just with Flow365 and the amazing summits we had. And now it is time. And I'm so excited because some good things are changing. So the format has been updated. I mean, it has been updated since April. So really to respond to the hundreds of people who've gone through the flow planner and who have loved it and who've given amazing feedback and we've watched people use it and we saw where improvements needed to be made. And so that has happened and it's happening still. 
And it really gave us an opportunity to look at the um, how we print it, how we deliver it, um, how we can really be good stewards to the planet, um, how we can support amazing businesses here in the U.S. And so it's going to come out soon. It's going to be greener. We're still going to be planting trees, but it's going to be um, printed here in, in the United States. And I'm just so excited for this next version. It has some improvements around workflow and how women get through it to make it even easier and more intuitive for us to balance the things that we need to balance today. We are at this time when we are we have so many hats. Not only are we maybe working and taking care of our homes and wanting to really be the healthiest versions of ourselves more than ever, right? Like, so we are really, it's important to think about what we eat. And as we're going to talk about today, how we move. And some of us are homeschooling our kids and kids are home, even if we're not homeschooling them and work looks different. Everything right now looks so different. And for me, the flow planning process is really about taking the reins to what we can control and making the space to make it happen. And I literally don't think there's a more important time than right now to do this. And I could really use your help. So what we've done is we've put a banner on top of the Plan Simple website, plansimple.com. You'll see it there. It will say, you know, come come see the next version of the Flow Planner. And soon that will be populated with all the information about the new Flow Planner. But for right now, what we're doing is we are trying to enlist a team of people that will help us spread the word when we do launch because as media works, the faster you spread the word and the more people you get excited the more people will get their eyes on it. So head on over to plansimple.com, click that link, read all about it. Just all you're doing is putting your name onto an email list so that we can tell you right when it's live and you can help us by getting your copy and also helping us spread the word. And don't worry, there will be prizes. All right. That's what I got to say about that. I'll have more to say as the weeks go on. Um, it is going to be available starting in the first week of October, and we will be sure to tell you even more about it. So with no further ado, let's get the amazing Joyce Shulman on the show. Hello, Joyce. Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to talk to you because I'm like knee deep in your book and having so many, I'm just like every chapter, I'm like, oh my gosh, or they're not really chapters. They're really reasonable chapters. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. That's so good. So I'm so excited to have you. I recently spoke with somebody who told me that she she wrote in all the margins, like she was scribbling as she was writing, and that made me so incredibly happy. She was like, I'm so sorry. I feel like I've sort of defaced the book. And I'm like, no, no, you scribble away. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. It's a, Yeah, it's a definitely a kind of book where you can have lots of ahas and take your own notes and figure out how you're going to do the thing. And yes, love it. All right. So, well, we're going to tell everybody about your book in a minute, but let's go back a little bit or let's just get present a little bit and tell everybody a little bit about who you are, who your mom to, you know, what you do to make money, all those things. Like just give everybody a background of what, what it is that you're balancing. What am I balancing? Like so many of us, I'm balancing so many things, especially these days, but I am the mom to two teenagers. Uh, my son is a freshman in college uh, who was sent home in March, like all of those college oh, freshmen. Yes. <laughs> so that's been that's been challenging. And I have a daughter who's in high school who I remember the day that they said school is canceled. And she was on a chat with lots of her friends and they were all so excited. And little did they know that it was going to be months before they would get to spend any time together. So I'm in the thick of that still with so many of us trying to navigate this time with family. Uh, and I have been on an entrepreneurial journey for about 20 years now. I'm a former lawyer, commercial litigator in New York. And 20 plus years ago, my husband quit our jobs and we sold our apartment and we moved out to sort of the country. And we started an entrepreneurial journey that we've been on ever since. Oh my gosh. So fun. I have to admit, every time I read the husband part, I was like, oh, that would be so nice. <laughs> that it's a I, team. <laughs> yeah. I, I get very different reactions from people. Yeah. 
people are like, oh, that would be great. But at least as many people, maybe more, respond with, I could never. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like a distant dream of mine, you know, that sometime, some, at some point that would come together and this, this would be what we do together. Sometimes I get some googly eyes about my decisions. Like, wait, what are you doing? Like, why yeah. are you doing that? Um, Can I ask I, what kind what? of work? Can I ask uh, what kind of work yeah, he Yeah, yeah, he works in a university. So he's a, he's a chief technology officer for a center at Harvard. So he, you know, is very in academia and... Academia you know, and tech. And tech. He could be really helpful. <laughs> oh, he's helpful. So helpful. So helpful, like with the back end, but I have to know what, you know, not with the decision making and the risk taking and all those kinds of things. Yeah, you definitely have to be aligned on some of those things. Yeah. And a, you have to simultaneously be aligned and be a good balance. Yes. That makes sense. So tell everybody a little about the entrepreneurial journey part, because I feel like that's really important that while raising two kids, what you were up to. Yeah, absolutely. So we started out, we had this idea for a company 20 years ago and started uh, this journey. We founded a company called The Rover Group. We manufactured dog treats, horse treats, and cat treats. Uh, and that lasted about three years. Um, then we moved on to another business, which we exited, sold actually to our partner at the time. Uh, most recently, we founded, well, I say most recently, it's been a dozen years now, we founded a company called Macaroni Kid that publishes hyper-local, community-focused newsletters and websites. And most recently, and what I'm working on right now, is a mission to get a million moms, a million women walking, not just moms, women walking, uh, called 99 Walks. I love it. Oh my gosh. And actually dovetailing from the fact that this is such a strange time that we're all existing in right now um, for our kids and possibly for us, walking has been like, it has been one of our saving graces of all the, of this time. It's really interesting. My, my girls, uh, well, I started it in the, in the idea that one of my things as an entrepreneur who works from home is that for many years, my habit is before I work, I walk so that when I come back, I'm like walking into the office. And, um, you know, I got into listening to a lot of pot, that's when I took in a lot of content eventually. So they mm -hmm. started off kind of quiet and reflective, which I think is what you prescribe a little bit. And then they, I moved into podcasts. And then with the pandemic, my girls started waking up really early. I have three kids. I have a boy in high school and a girl who will now be in high school and a, a girl who's going into sixth grade. So three of them, you know, between 10th and, and sixth grade. And the girls would wake up in the morning wanting to go on a walk. That's how they really wanted to start their day. And they do their hair and they get dressed. And I just thought that it was so fantastic that they were this motivated that I was like, sure, let's do it. So we really did it. And it really framed our days. It was, it's been amazing. One of the the benefits, I don't want to say the benefits, but one of the silver linings are things that people are learning through this difficult time is the power of walking. Yeah. The power of slowing down, though I, I don't know about you, but I actually don't feel like I've slowed down at all, but it's a conversation. This power is real. Hey, Joyce, you're totally breaking up. But um, let me see. Can you hear me? I can. Hmm. I don't see that I don't have. So, okay, let's just keep going. Let's find now. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it could be me. I mean, you look and sound fine, but it certainly could be. Okay, well, if it happens again, maybe we'll just turn off our video because I think sometimes that can play into it. But okay. for now, it's fine. But you might have to repeat what let's let's answer that question again about walking. Uh, uh, so so you were going to say about the benefits of walking, I think is what you were talking about, but you totally broke in and out. So we didn't yeah. hear what you said. So I think one of the silver linings, if there are any from this difficult time is a lot of people are starting to recognize the transformative power of walking. Mm. And conversations with your kids. So just to dig into that for a minute, anybody who has teenagers knows that you're better off talking to your kids shoulder to shoulder than looking them in the face. When my son was an early teenager and during some of those challenging times that many of us have had, we did some research. And one of the things I read that I remember so clearly is 
don't look them in the eyes. Like, treat them like a wild animal. If you want to have a meaningful conversation with your teenager, don't look them in the eyes, which is hilarious, but there's some truth to it. And walking provides such a great opportunity. And it's easy to be quiet. I don't know if you've had this experience. Maybe your girls are super chatty. chatty. Um, no, some, a, I mean, it depends on the day, right? But some days we're just quiet. Some days we have something to talk about. Some days we're setting up for what we're doing for the day, like runs the gamut. Yeah, all of that. And it's much more comfortable to have those moments of silence when you're walking than it is if you were just sort of sitting at the kitchen table together, staring at each other. You can't yes. sit in silence. You can walk in silence. I love that. All right. So actually, I want to ask you then one more question about walking. But what I do have to say is that when I first got your book to read, I thought it was going to be all about walking. And then, of course, it's not all about walking. So we'll get into some of my big ahas from what I've read so far in a minute. But but I do know from reading the book and getting to know you a little bit that like exercise is a big part of your life as well. You, you shared a bunch of CrossFit stories and, and, and those types of things. So, so t but, but I feel like sometimes, and actually it's interesting because just this morning on a coaching call, someone broke this, brought this up because she had stopped walking recently because she couldn't figure out how to, she couldn't, didn't want to leave her kids alone. And they're kind of in that weird in-between age where they're too young to be left home alone and too old to be in a stroller or whatnot. And it just wasn't working out hourly. And she was feeling the need to exercise. And I was trying to separate the idea between walking and exercise because I actually, of course, walking is exercise. But I also feel like they, they serve different purposes. Like, yes, you can exercise, but there's this benefit to walking that doesn't have to do with breaking a sweat or like getting muscles or like whatever. So can you tell us a little bit about that and why just the idea of walking is is a good one to maybe embrace? Yes, but you may have to cut me off at some point because okay. I'm a, I'm a, this is what I'm obsessed with. Okay. So I talk about walking for your mind, your mood, and your body, really in that order. So the research around what walking does for you, for your mind, walking has been shown to improve your decision-making, fuel your creativity in a really meaningful kind of way. There's fascinating studies around this. And there's a study out of Canada that shows that a regular walking practice literally makes your brain bigger. Mm. So to your morning practice of walking before you start work, start your work day, that's an incredibly valuable practice, even if you don't realize it, because you are truly fueling your brain in the best possible way. Yep. So that's incredible. For your mood, walking is very powerful in the battle against depression, both keeping it at bay and dealing with it if you're in the throes of it. It's not the be-all and end-all. People who are in the throes of real depression need more help than a daily walk, for sure. But the research shows that a regular walking practice can be a really important tool. Yep. At mood boosting and stress relieving, all of those things. And the last on the list is your body. Walking is incredible for your body, reduces your risk of dementia, diabetes, high blood pressure, all of those things, certain types of cancers. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like really type A and I, I talk a fair bit about sort of the busyness epidemic and how I suffer from that in a very, very not so good way. Mm -hmm. You know, at least, at least I know myself. I haven't figured out how to fix it yet, but I know myself. <laughs> um, and walking checks all three boxes at one time. And if I can get all of those three things, and then if you add to the mix, walking with friends, which is my favorite thing to do, now I get to be in nature, connect with a friend, and get that kind of exercise and brain boost all at one time. Mm. Like we should all be doing this every day. The world would be a better place and we would be happier people. Yes. Oh my gosh, totally. And, and it's interesting because here we talk a lot about, about time, right? And, and we'll, so we'll get into the busy thing in a minute because I can't wait to have a talk with you about that because you say you're so busy, but and some of the things you say in your book are also so enlightened about busyness. So I know you're, you're down, you know, walking down that path. Um, but one of the things that I personally find about walking, because I've definitely had days where I haven't done it, right? Like, I don't know, something happened in the morning or I checked my email, which is the big mistake to do before a walk. Um, or for whatever you thought you were going to plan. 
um, and somehow it hasn't happened. And when I, I have a process at the end of the day of just looking back over my day and reflecting what I did and didn't do that I said I would do and just understanding that, you know, not judging myself, but just understanding what, what happened. And I can definitely attribute the lack of concentration and productivity on a day that I have not gone on a walk first. So it really, to me, shows this, this notion that I think is so important I think it's mostly important for, I always say it's so important for women. I don't know if you have better data on this, but I just feel like women aren't meant to go through days the way we were trained that everybody's supposed to go through days. And I feel like just that, that movement, that walking in the morning is one of those ways where, where we really can fast, like we can really make the rest of the day different time-wise. Like it's less linear and more amplified or something. So there are a couple of, I have a couple of thoughts around that. Uh, the first is it goes to this idea that we tell ourselves we don't have time. I don't have time for a 20 minute walk. I don't have yeah. time for a half hour walk. And more often than not, it's not true right. to exactly your point. Because if you can make a material improvement in your productivity or even your mood, because like part of all of this is we're supposed to be happier. Right. So if a walk sets you up for better success during your day and however you measure that, then you have time for it because it makes time in that sense. The other thing that I want to say is I love the morning walk idea, but I want to also talk about the idea that if a morning walk doesn't work for you right. and you, walk, you work for three hours, five hours, and then at 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock or on your, whenever it is, because to your point, if you walk in the morning and then you sit down and you work a straight eight hour day, I don't think that's a great plan either. Right. So this idea of breaking up our days into chunks, I'm not a big, um, like I don't chunk my time. I wish I could, but I, I don't uh, time block. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do try to be really intentional and get that feeling of, okay, there's nothing on my calendar for the next hour. I have been sitting for three hours. And even though I don't think I have the time, I'm going to literally just walk out the door for half an hour. Yeah, no, that's great. And I would definitely say that, you know, I, I walk more than once a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially now that there's nothing, you know, that there's not that many places that we're going. Um, when I get that feeling of, spinning or not knowing what's next, even though I always sort of know what's next, you know, we can convince ourselves that we don't. And I, I find that if I can tell myself, just walk out the door, Mia, just go 10 minutes, just walk two blocks, just walk the circle, just go, then um, it changes everything afterwards. And, and so I, I tend to do that now a few times a day. And what's so interesting about that is that the walk feels so productive. And just because we've been in this weird pandemic time, I realize how many times, you know, maybe I used to go to the grocery store instead in that moment of panic, or I would go pick up a kid early from like, I don't know, I would do all these things. And all these things actually took way more time and, and got me way less productive. Like going to the grocery store was just not a use of my time usually in those moments. I usually didn't need that. One of my expressions is that walking is a great antidote for a crappy day. Yes. But I may borrow this from you and I may add to this now that walking is a great antidote to a spinning brain. Yes, totally. Oh my gosh. And, and so often, I mean, I just feel like that's what our brains do, do a lot of the time when we're busy and when we have a really full to-do list, which I pretty much have not met a woman who doesn't feel like she has a really full to-do list. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all suffering from that. Another friend of mine referred to her walks as the time when she detangles her brain. Ooh, I like that. I loved that. Yeah. Um, all right, well, you just said something that reminded me of something that you said in your book, which was that maybe you'd been working for five hours and it was 10 a.m., which I know from your book that sometimes you wake up at five. So we've also had some talks around here about the idea of a morning routine. And one of the chapters that I encountered in your book had to do about you waking up, but it actually had more to do with the evening. And I think you led into that chapter. I think it might've been a separate um, chapter about decision fatigue. And I feel like those two things really go together and might help some people who I feel like, 
you know, so often when we go to fix a problem, like a problem, like, or a idea that we want to wake up earlier in the morning, you know, we're really focused on the morning and how can we wake up at 5.30 and set an alarm and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times I find that there's something like a little bit more in the distant past <laughs> that would affect that morning. So will you share a little bit about your, your story and how you do that and what are some of the important ways that you ensure that you'll be able to do that? So first of all, I go to bed really early. So yeah, I do get up at five because I have always been a morning person. And I, the research does seem to suggest that some people are wired for morning and some people are wired for night. And I've just always been a morning person. Got so, so you weren't fighting anything when you decided to do this? No. And I don't know that you should. I think you yeah. should be really intentional. I think mornings present these incredible opportunities for clarity, yep. uh, for time and space for starting your day in that way. But for some people that just doesn't work. Yeah. But for me, that's, that's my time, but it works best if I've prepared for it the night before. And the reason actually goes a little bit to your point, which is if I get up and don't have a plan, then I, then my brain is already making decisions. If I open my email, it's over. It's over. The morning yeah. is done. And to that extent, the day is done. It's <laughs> really, it's just like a hideous way to start your day. So before I go to bed, I do a couple of things. Uh, I do try to reflect on my day. I try to set a couple of priorities for the next day. I run into a challenge sometimes because sometimes when I start setting three intentions for the next day or three top priorities for the next day, it starts to become my to-do list for the next day. So I yeah. have to be super disciplined about that. It has to be about how do I want to walk into this day or what do I want to create or contribute? Not here are the 10 tasks I need to do. Can you, can you break that out a little? Because actually part of the planner is coming up with uh, the planner that we create a plan simple is figuring out the three things and, and we base them on sort of three big rocks that are a bit above that, that you decide at the beginning of the week. But, um, but it, I, I do find myself explaining that a lot because it's so easy for those three things to become the to-do list when they're very different than the to-do list. Can, so maybe, some, can you give some examples to just really help people understand that? Yeah, sometimes, and these things seem really uh, contrary. So sometimes my intention for the next day is maximum productivity. Mm-hmm. How many things can I check off that to-do list? How much content can I create? Like I am going to run through the day. And sometimes my intention for the next day is to find as much peace and joy and space. Yeah. So setting intentions that way. And sometimes it is an actual action item. Like tomorrow my intention is to be really present and spend time with my daughter, mm -hmm. which is an action. Mm -hmm. but it's not exactly a to-do. Right. And right. yeah, there's definitely some gray area. Don't you find that? Oh, totally, totally. But I do find that when it gets, when we start like really getting task oriented, we forget the, like the why. And I feel like the, 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 the focus always should really be the why. And it, and it can act because that, all the things you just shared really act as, um, a really good test to what it is that you should be do saying yes to when they come up, like, cause we all get surprises through the day. Right. And so if all of a sudden someone calls you in and says, you need to be on a two hour work call and your intention for the day is to be with your daughter. And those, those two hours happen in the three hours that she's free, then it gives you a, you know, it's your reason to say no, cause you decided that already and you get to fulfill that decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess just to close the door on my evening, the couple of things I do in the evening, uh, I always set up the coffee for the morning because coffee is the thing that gets me out of bed. Mm -hmm. uh, I always, always lay out my clothes for the morning. I have I been doing this too. forever. And I'm like, I'm shocked when I hear and speak to people who don't do that because <laughs> I can't even like, I can't get into bed until the clothes for the morning are laid out and ready to go. Now, especially now, every day it's the same thing. It's just workout clothes. It's just <laughs> a new set of workout clothes because that's how I'm living. Right. But, 
But that's okay because it is actually even with a little bit of an idea towards, okay, what do I, what does my schedule look like for tomorrow? Am I going to walk in the morning? Then I need a sweatshirt. Well, not this month, but yeah. you know, when it starts to get cooler, um, yeah. am I going to the gym? Am I, what am I doing? And I'm thoughtful about what my day looks like and how I'm going to dress for that day. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, because um, that was one of my solutions when my kids were younger for them, right? To like help our mornings when we were having a whole thing about getting out the door to school in the mornings years ago. And, um, you know, it was like so helpful for them to put their clothes out at night because I realized that was a big time suck. And then lately, I've been thinking about it as an adult because one of the big things that I decide on before bed is what I'm going to eat the next day. So I make all, I just, I usually meal plan for the week, but I make the, I re-choose or like reconfirm that what I'm going to eat the next day is indeed what we're going to eat the next day, the day before. And I've just noticed, like, it just saves so much time. Like you wouldn't think it would, but we think about food a lot. And so when food is up in the air and we're thinking about what, you know, maybe I'll have that soup for dinner, but maybe I'll actually have the go get takeout or maybe wait, do we actually have an onion in the house? You know, like literally those, like people have done studies on it. You could think the average person can think about food for anywhere from a half an hour to an hour a day. And I feel way more conscious about the fact that I'm thinking about what I'm going to (laughs) wear. So I'm assuming I waste a lot of time thinking about that. Oh, you totally should try it. Yeah, no, I, I am going to. I'm definitely going to. And I imagine for a lot of people listening, that could be the walk, right? Like just deciding in advance could be the time that you could take you on a really nice 20-minute walk. And here's the thing. When you get up in the morning and you roll into those clothes before you have a chance to talk yourself out of it, now your teeth are brushed and you're dressed for the walk and the coffee is brewing and often you're out the door before you have the chance to talk yourself out of it, before right. your brain has a chance to be like, oh, you know, what if I, or did I forget, or should I? You just go. Yeah. Well, let's go there, actually, because I love talking about the brain. And I'm not going to pull up some specific things from the book, but I know it came up a lot, which is this idea, and I know this has been useful in your business and all sorts of areas in your life, because I, I know there were stories of just how we are always talking ourselves out of things um, and, and how to shift out of that. Because I feel like everyone listening to this podcast, you know, really knows that they want something better than they have right now, or there's something more, there's something missing. And sometimes that went missing when they decided to stay home with kids. Sometimes it went missing when they decided to play it safe with work. Sometimes they just haven't found their passion. Um, But as we start to get into this growth mindset, I find that voice gets louder and louder. So I love the trick that just deciding what you're going to wear would make it go away just long enough to get out on that walk. (laughs) But do you have more to say on that, on, on that idea and how we can help that and stay in that growth mindset? Oh, so many ways, I right? Know. There's so much. The first is understanding that we're all hardwired with a negativity bias. Mm. And I think we just have to see that for what it is. There is a part of our brain that is never going to want us to take a chance. Yeah. And I was raised by parents who are incredibly supportive, but also very conservative. Mm-hmm. And then I spent 10 years working as a lawyer where your entire diet is things gone wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> as a litigator, I fought other people's battles for a living. That was my job. Yeah. And you come through that and you realize that when presented with a choice, presented with an opportunity, presented with a dream or a goal, there is going to be part of your voice saying, you are much safer if you just stay the course and don't take a risk. So you got to start, I think, by recognizing that for what that is and sort of looking at that negativity bias, looking at the fear and... I, this is not mine. I borrowed, I read this someplace and gosh, I don't remember where, but thanking your fear. Mm. Okay. Thank you for, thank you for raising those points. I, I appreciate you trying to keep me safe. And now I'm going to chase my dreams anyway, because I am stronger than my fear. Mm. 
I feel like that's Brene Brown, by the way. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Um, but you've got it. You've got to see them for what they are. Yep. And then you have to keep going. So that's, that's sort of piece number one. Yep. Uh, you got to tap into a little bit of a rebellious spirit. Yeah. Because when that brain is saying, are you sure you can do that? Or you can't do that. There's party that just has to stand up strong and say, watch me. Yeah. Uh, so it starts there. And then I'm a big, one of my, my favorite sections of the book is the power of yet. Mm. And it's just adding the word yet to the end of anything because, I, and I'm sure you see this and hear this all the time. I am, forgive everybody who's listening, who you do this, but I am so tired of women who say, I'm not good at blank. Yes. Like, why do we do that to ourselves? But I have a super easy fix to that. You just add the word yet to the end and you just transformed that negative statement into a growth mindset statement. I'm not good at cooking yet. Yeah. And what's so interesting about that is, you know, all those things are just thoughts that we have, right? And just by shifting the thought and saying yet, you open yourself up to a whole new way of a whole new set of actions because when you don't have the yet, we, you, I, I find I get into that that spinning mindset that we were talking about earlier when there's too many things I think I can't do and like the list just sort of explodes exponentially in my head, it's, it's, it's harder to move forward. But with yet, it's like, oh, it's possible. So I just need the next step. <laughs> I, right. And that's the heart and soul of growth mindset, right? I just need the next step. Yeah. I love that. So good. Oh my gosh. The power of yet. I think everyone should remember that for sure. Um, all right. I love that. Let's think of what else. What were my other questions for you? Oh my gosh. I feel like there was thousands because everything I, well, you know what else comes up? So, so I say that, that a lot of people listening are wanting to change and wanting to grow. Um, and by the way, for me, the piece of the piece, um, something you just said actually just really resonated for me. And then I'm going to go to my question, but the, the idea that you um, want something and you need to get to it and you need to make a plan for it, like planning for me became my freedom to something more. And very often I get challenged that when you plan, you're not free. And I've actually found quite the opposite. And I think it's because of what you just explained, because I'm actually planning for a vision that's much bigger than I can possibly like do right now. So me following my plan is like that plan to freedom. So thank you for wording it that way, because I love that. I actually had a friend of mine push back on me uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and she said, why are you always so intentional? Like, mm. and she's a, she's a very spiritual girl. Mm -hmm. And she said, don't you know God has a plan? And I'm like, I, I'm not going down that, that route with you. But assuming God does have a plan, I'm not going to... You come from where you come from. I come, whatever. But assuming there's a plan, it's still my job to do the work to execute yeah. that plan. And it's hard no matter what. And it's, of course, because yeah. anything worthwhile is hard. Yeah. Um, but have you ever read the book Ingenious by Tina Selig? No. Oh, it's the best. Okay. I'm going to add it to the list. Put it on your list. But one of the things that she, it's all about creativity. Okay. Uh, and one of the things that she talks about at length in the book, which is brilliant and genius and a little bit to your point, is creativity loves constraint. Yes. And, and I don't know if you know this about me, but before being a coach and a planner, I am a graphic designer. And, I, you know, that was my company for, for 12 years. And the yep. reason, and, my, and I grew up with a dad as a painter, and the reason I think I went into graphic design is because I found so much freedom in the fact that there was this structure that you like needed a grid and then you could like figure out how to be creative within that. And like, you could figure out how to really do something so different within that structure. And so that Which is exactly what you're still doing. Yeah, exactly. Just in a different way. So I love that. That's definitely, definitely hits home for me. Right. And I think people, I think people have a different perspective on that. Yeah. That creativity loves boundless opportunity. And yeah. no constraint. Yeah. 
But for most of us, that's completely overwhelming. Yeah. That's like deer in the headlights kind of stuff. Yeah. And I find that, you know, there's moments when I guess I don't crave the structure or like, I wish I didn't have the structure. And, you know, sometimes I cave into those more than others. Um, but those are not my biggest growth stages. Like they're not leading to the next thing. They're kind of keeping me in my same place, which is fine sometimes I think, but, but not, it's not, you know, I, I can feel it at the end, at the end of one of those cycles. I'm like, Oh, interesting. I was free, but kind of. <laughs> yeah. And to the extent that those kinds of things are rejuvenating. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. We yeah. have to rest to and recreate, recreate yeah. all of that. You need that time. Yeah. But you have to see it for what it is to your point. Okay. So the thing that I always forget sometimes um, because I definitely have had a pattern of big dreams since I was a small child, um, is that there are definitely people listening who might feel stuck with that and feel like they've lost those dreams. And I feel like the beginning pieces of your book are really helpful for that. And we teach some of the some similar tools. And I, I think that's really important to acknowledge, especially if, you know, motherhood has really sort of caught like created that loss a little bit you know sometimes we just dive so deeply into that and we just lose sight of what it is that that we really wanted and it's harder to hear you know it's i think it's always there it's just a question of hearing it which is why i love the idea of walking because i feel like that walking is walking in showers to me are the place where i get the most ideas yep. so let's talk about people who are in that place who are like it's great you have all these ideas and all these aspirations and all these things that you want to keep doing, but I'm not feeling that right now. Like, I'm not feeling like everything's perfect. I'm not feeling um, like I want to necessarily stay here, but I'm not really understanding what my big thing is, what I possibly want right now that's more. So the first thing that we have to really be sure that we're reminding everybody is that's totally fine. Yes. I have a really good friend who her, her goal in life is to leave as little impact on the planet as possible. Hmm. She wants to treat people with kindness. She wants to live a happy, productive life, but she doesn't have giant dreams. And she's really okay with that. You know, you, you look at the Buddhist monks and what we're all trying to do, we, you, and me, and people who are wired like we are, that's the antithesis of kind of yes. just accept the world and your, your life and be as positive and present as you can possibly be. So that's a long way of saying we're right now, I think, living in a culture where the dreamers and the ambitious people are the ones who are getting a lot of attention. Mm. But if you're not that person or you're not that person today, that's okay. So there's a really big and super important dis uh, distinction between people who have really big dreams in their heart and are afraid or something is standing in the way of them going after them. Mm. And people who aren't necessarily wired like that and society is telling them they should be. So for those people who are like, you know, I'm good, but I don't have to write a New York Times bestseller. Like, you're good, girl. Like, that's cool. Yes. And just own that and embrace that and don't get swept up in everybody telling you that you need to have big world changing dreams because you don't. And that's really okay. You know, the people who find so much joy and peace and bliss sitting on their front porch sipping tea and staring out at the mountains god bless yeah be that do that embrace that for everybody else who has these big dreams but is feeling stuck you have to realize that it's an it's an act of will yep. it takes a lot of bravery it takes a boatload of work yeah and I think it's really important also for people like you and I to say it's really scary and it's really hard and we're scared all the time. I mean, I, I don't mean to speak for you. Maybe you're not scared all the time, but right. I'm, I'm scared, scared all, all the time, the time. <laughs> all the time. And I work really, really flipping hard. Yeah. So that's the, that's the package. So if you're sitting on the sidelines thinking, 
I can't chase this dream because I'm not brave enough. And the people who are chasing big dreams are somehow different than I am. I suppose we are because we're scared, but we do it anyway. Yeah. Well, and the exercise, well, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of what you go through, and by the way, everyone, you have to get her book and I'm going to have Joyce Thank explain you. to you how to get in touch with her and get see her work and get the book and everything in a minute. But, um, you know, the book is, is called, it's, it's about walks, but it's not really about walks because it's about all the things that you might think about while you're on a walk. <laughs> and um, I think a lot of the things that you're thinking about on walks, clearly I've also thought about on walks, but somehow, you know, the thing that got me into that work was actually Julia Cameron's um, The Artist's Way. And I started writing all this stuff down. And one of the things that really shifted um, my understanding of what I want, and I feel like it would be a, would really help with both, no matter where you are, no matter what you want, whether you want the doors, want to be sitting on your porch, or you want to be like, no matter what it is you want, what, where you are on the spectrum. Um, I feel like this exercise would help you, which is just to get really clear about what life looks like 10 years from now. And I think that's sort of how you start your reflections in your book too. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and you know what happened to me? What? You're going to love this. So I spent a fair bit of time mostly walking, but not exclusively walking and writing yep. and trying to get clarity around uh, what, that, that, what that life that I really, really wanted looked like Yep. with real specificity. And you know what I realized? I could have six or seven of those top 10 things right now. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't even... I know this sounds, I don't know, impossible, but that's what happened to me. I sat down and said, my ideal gigantic dream life would be comprised of these elements. And then I was like, son of a gun, I can have more than half of them right now. Yeah. I spent a good, I spend a good deal of the beginning of my retreats doing that exercise with people, some people who are doing it you know, every three months, because what I realized for myself is this is an exercise that's worth doing often because I, that is, I found the exact same thing. And then of course, though, as time goes on, you see more, like you see more of, of what's, what's possible or, or you can, you, you do a little bit more of one of those things and you see the next level of either relaxing or working or whatever it is that your dream is. Or you see, or you suddenly realize that something you thought you wanted, now that you're getting a taste of it, you're like, oh, no, I don't need that. Not so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. And so you can sort of shift your attention. So that's one of my favorite exercises to do. And sometimes I play with five years or 10 years, but, you know, depending on the day. <laughs> Have you sort of changed the way you're looking at things with the COVID and situation and things changing so much? Has that impacted how you're looking at five years and 10 years? I mean, yes and no, weirdly. Because what was interesting for me, and I know this is not true of everyone, but um, when COVID came, I sort of relate with your kids. <laughs> like I was in heaven, like I'm an introvert. <laughs> I work from home. <laughs> like the things that were challenging the, me the most were all the driving and, you know, different aspects of that. And um, my work was already all online. And I just like felt like I it was, you know, the perfect moment for me. So for me, um, yes, I, I definitely realized like I had a launch um, during this whole time that got more affected actually by what was happening in our country than by COVID. Um, and, you know, I had to do some self-correcting on my thoughts around that. And I had to do some correcting in our business on that. And so, so yes, I can see how the outside can come in and, and really affect things. And maybe it's harder to plan, but I'm not sure that it hasn't always been that way. It's just that now it was just so clear to more people. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like it was always this way, but maybe it was just more my circumstances before. And now I was sharing more circumstances with others around me. I don't know. I, so, so no, it does. Like, I still feel the power of it. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, though, Certainly, if nothing else, these days are teaching us all about uncertainty. Yes. And I'm right now, the, the future as far as how my kids are going to continue this school year is uncertain. Yes. 
right? What, what the whole year is going to look like is uncertain. And I have friends who are, they're angry and they're railing against it. And I don't know, I seem to have a lot of peace around this because it's entirely out of our control. Well, and also as entrepreneurs, you know, we've had lots of disruptions and fearful things happening to us this whole journey. And to me, this is like a disruption of the education system, which I don't know, in my book has been needed for a long time. So, so yeah, it sucks, but it's almost like the world's getting more entrepreneurial or something, like, you know, like, it's like, we're going to finally solve some big problems that we're kind of stuck. Okay. I literally had that conversation with two friends of mine yesterday oh, when I, yeah, when I said, our education system has been so screwed up for so long that this is an opportunity yeah. to start rewriting some of that. And the two of them, so interesting to your point, neither of them have a real entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And they both sort of looked at me like, what? You, like, yeah, you know, the education system had some problems, but I'm all like, this is a great opportunity. Let's shake it all out. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's not hard. So your, your, your oldest is a bit old, is a few years older than mine. So I have a, a, a just junior, just now junior. And I'm quite aware that like, there's going to be something really messed up because there's freshmen who aren't going to school. And then will there be places? And, you know, he's an athlete and he, he, he rose crew and all the regattas are canceled. And like the junior year is supposed to be what gives him opportunities. And, you know, so I'm quite aware that it's not, you know, what we thought it was. And I also feel like, this is so exciting. I mean, it always, of course, sadness when, is, when our children are the casualty at some level, but, but it's also so exciting for their little ones someday. So yeah, I'm, there's, I stand. yeah I, I'm right there with you. There's a lot of loss. I don't mean to diminish yeah. all of the things that our kids are going to lose, but the conversation I had yesterday was also, okay, you guys, we can talk about all of those things, but now let's talk about what are the windows of opportunity? Yeah. I had a conversation with my daughter. I said, tell me what you want to learn this year because yeah. you're probably not going to learn as much calculus and I'm kind of okay with that as long as you fill that with something that you feel like exploring. It doesn't have to be your lifetime passion, but have you always wanted to learn how to sew a dress? Yeah. You know, have you always wanted to learn whatever? Yeah. That's how we rolled in the spring and it was fantastic. I have to say it was very good. Um, what we, we had two schools that didn't come through and one that did. And so with the two that didn't, we just sort of had to make it our own deal. And, you know, we learned how to hand letter and made these amazing books and, you know, did things that I don't think we ever would have had time for. So in that sense, it was okay. Yeah. So I taught my 14 year old to drive, which I don't oh, necessarily yeah. recommend, but I did. That was high <laughs> on my list for my 16 year old and he wanted nothing to do with it. So go figure. Maybe in the fall. So Joyce, tell everybody how they can find you and what the best way to do that is. Sure. So you can find me on social channels, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I'm not super active on these days, but at Joyce R. Shulman. You can find 99walks at 99walks.fit and on all social channels at 99walks. And you can learn more about my book uh, at joyceshulman.com. It's S-H-U-L-M-A-N, no C. Uh, and my book, which is Walk Your Way to Better, is available on Amazon. Okay, and I have a question, because before this we were talking about, um, you know, it's the middle of September and we recorded this a little in advance, but you have a theme of every month. So is that for the walking? Is that, is that how that, like, tell us how we can best be involved in this idea of walking in the community that you outlined at the beginning. Like how does, how does one interact with this? Absolutely. So 99 Walks is a community. We're focused on monthly walking challenges for women. Okay. We support women in their walking journey with a boatload of content, challenges, support, daily walking classes. And at the end of the month, our active members who crush their goals and they set their own goals, our members set their own goals, uh, are re rewarded with what we call wearable inspiration. And we send everybody a cuff bracelet engraved with the theme of the month. Uh, oh, cool. So, yeah. So it really, it's a little bit of bling to keep people excited and encouraged and moving forward. And that is available at 99walks.fit. You can, it's a monthly subscription, a monthly community. Uh, and the theme for September, which I know aligns with you, is simple is good. 
Oh my gosh, I love it, especially in September when everything seems to be complicated. Although we'll see how, how that feels this year with slightly different situations. I happen to have one who's going back to school and two who, well, two who I don't really know yet. So we'll see in September, but <laughs> it might be a different kind of September. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was, I was so great to have this conversation. I feel like I could talk for hours, but we both have days that we have to get ahead on and walks we have to go on. For sure. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. At the end of every episode, I always share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where real change happens. But the cool thing about action is sometimes we don't move toward it because we feel like it has to be big in order to have a big impact. But I'm here to tell you that the little things really add up and really do count. So my wish for you is that you choose one small thing a week, one thing that feels doable and you really commit to it. You really commit to how it fits into your life, whether that's balancing work and family and food, all the things, and you really make it work in that schedule in your current reality. So this week's are super fun. And again, I always share three doable changes, but I hope that you choose one. I hope that you really fully lean into one and make that work in your life. And then the next week you add another and another, and over time you will have more change in your life. It will feel big because you've let these little things add up. All right. Here are the three from this episode. Number one, walk daily. Decide which way works better for you, getting out the door for a walk to start your day or using a walk to break it up so that you don't get bogged down in your work or sitting in a chair for too long. You could try a couple days of each to see which one works better for you. But no matter which way you choose, how often you walk during the day, make it non-negotiable to just see how walking 20 to 30 minutes can affect your mind, your mood, and your body. And I can pretty much promise you it will have a positive result. So just get it in your calendar and show up to it and just lean in to which way is going to work best for your schedule and having the biggest results in your life. All right, number two, set your intention. Try setting your intention as part of your bedtime routine. Very often this is talked about as a morning routine, but try it as your bedtime routine and think about how you want to show up the next day. Don't get too much into the nitty gritty of what every hour looks like the next day. Think more about how you want the day to feel. Is it about productivity? Is it about space? Is it about finding joy? Each will feel different. But try setting your intention the night before and see how that affects how you wake up the next morning. I love this one. And actually, setting your intention for a day is part of the flow planning process. And I love the idea of doing this piece the night before. All right, number three. I have been trying this one, you all, by the way, since I did this interview because I was having trouble with this aspect of my morning walk, and this one really helped me. And it is this, pick clothes the night before. It sounds so simple. We make our kids do it. My kids still do it, yet I didn't until a couple weeks ago. Set your clothes out the night before, whether it's workout clothes or something comfortable for walking or what you need for your Zoom call, whatever it is, set it up. And while we're on the topic of setting things up, you can set out your clothes, but you could also set up your coffee. You could set up your breakfast. If you're bringing the kids to school, you could set up the school lunch. You can set up many things the night before and take the decisions out of your morning so that you don't need to make them first thing. If walking is the first thing you're going to do, which we recommend you try, you can get up, you can get dressed, and you can get going before your brain tries to talk you out of going for the walk. You see, you've made all these choices, but if you take the pause to choose what you're going to wear, 
you may have sabotaged getting out the door on that walk. So I love this one. I was sabotaging myself personally before I started this one, and this one has made a big difference. So thank you. All right, you all, I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple podcast. And don't forget, if you're still here, go to plansimple.com, check out the link at the top of the page and be part of our launch team. We're so excited to get the next version of the planner out into the world and into your hands so that more women can plan to balance their wellness, their work, and their family life in one easy way. All right. I'll see y'all soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast.